Ready to ready for the word? You know, we have a lot to do this evening, but we'll hear the word. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Ready for the word? Oh, somebody says, let's say this together. Our Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in Christ alone. There is no confusion. There is no contradictions in this atmosphere. We behold you as we see ourselves in him. Your name alone is glorified and we are edified. Amen. All right. Praise God. I have something very important to share with you this night. and I'm sure some of you might be surprised. What's, what am I sharing? But you understand as we, as we progress this night. I, I call this dealing with anxiety. Amen. Amen. Dealing with anxiety. No, that's, that's quite a strange topic. Right? But it's not too strange. Amen. Now, when you come to church, when you come to um, church, you must be ready for God's word. Hallelujah. You must be ready to learn, you must be ready to grow, you must be ready to, you know, receive corrections, you must be able to um, receive directions for your life. All right, look at in Philippians 4, we said dealing with anxiety, right? Uh, we, we, we've got to just touch on something like that. I think on Tuesday, we said um, in nothing terrified. I, I think it's on our social media page already. You should listen to that. It's on our SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can lay that already and i think last sunday we did um what did we do there's nothing wrong with you remember if you were blessed with that uh, some of you are not sounding like you're meaning okay or is there something wrong with you uh, somebody warned you what's what's the topic like that there's nothing wrong with you yeah that's the topic you should listen to it all right dealing with anxiety philippians 4 are you there you know you come to church with your bible so you don't get deceived Philippians 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It says, Let your moderation be known unto all men, and the Lord is at hand. In verse 6, that's my major text for this night. It says, Be careful for nothing. But in everything, you know, you should, instead of reading that alone, you should tell your neighbor, Be careful for nothing, right? You know, sound like you mean it. Alright, it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayers and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. I like the verse 7 very well. It says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, uh, I, I just want us to deal with this very quickly this evening. I don't think I'm going to waste much of your time. Um, I just want to exalt you, like I told you, that I have a word to share with you tonight. And I just feel, uh, as I prepared for this, I had so many things I wanted to share, but everything narrowed down to this, you know. As a preacher, well, some of you don't know that preachers struggle to find a sermon. Everyone's quiet. Yeah. Nobody's just say, oh, Lord, what do I preach? Oh, Lord, what do I, you know, sometimes we just, sometimes we're just trusting God, what do I preach? So I have so many things on my notes, and the Lord told me this morning, you know, dealing with anxiety. I said, okay, I will be. So I believe this is something you need to learn this morning. Hallelujah. 
All right. So, uh, and you know, I, I believe Sister Favor was in the spirit when she was leading us in prayer. She was telling us that we should deal with fear. Uh, we should um, we should pray against fear. I don't know if you were praying a bit about that this morning, this evening, as she was praying. So we should pray that as we receive God's word, fear is gone from our house. Like, oh wow, she must have looked into my sermon. You know, <laughs> she. All right, look at, so we said, be careful for nothing, but in everything, in prayers and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. That word careful there is the word anxious. This is a, you'll see another version, another version can tell you, be anxious for nothing. So when you look at the structure of that text, it is that, it's, it's basically telling us that when you are careful for nothing, you haven't made a request known to God by prayer. So that is, what makes a man anxious, what makes a man careful for nothing, is because he hasn't made his request known to God by prayer. So that means we can say, anxiety is a proof that we are the ones handling something ourselves. Now, you know, we live in a world where um, anxiety is described by so many things. Um, you go to a therapist, they'll tell you you have a social anxiety. You go to some people, you say, oh, you, you are just, you know, you go to the doctors, they'll just prescribe something for you. They'll just tell you, oh, you just have little anxiety. Oh, you just have this anxiety. But that's not what I'm dealing with today. I'm dealing with anxiety from God's word. Hallelujah. Amen. Because God's word supersedes our experiences. God's word supersedes everything we think about. So a Christian must always learn to subject his life, his thinkings, his opinion to God's word, to God's thinking. That is how to be a Christian. Because there's going to be many philosophies in life. As far as you are still in this world, you're breathing. There's going to be philosophies. There's going to be different ideologies, different thinkings, different, um, different, different things. But the fact that... The fact that you are a Christian means I will subject my thinking, I will subject my theology, I will subject my ideologies to God's word. And that's what we want to do this evening. Because we said dealing with anxiety and we said anxiety is a proof that we are the ones handling something ourselves. Because if you look at that text, it says be careful for nothing, but in everything, in prayers and supplication, let your request be made known to God. So that means the moment we pray, the moment we intercede, the moment we pray about a desire, we pray about something, we are transferring the ownership and saying, oh Lord, this is no more on my hands anymore. This is now on you. So, Paul gives us a very simple and proven antidote to anxiety. And what is that? We cannot deny the fact that there are different issues that we are confronted with in life. A lot of us are scared of even the unknown. Some of you are, are scared of driving. Some, some people are anxious of driving because they just feel like if they drive, they're going to have accidents. Some people are scared of, uh, you know, I remember so many years ago, I, I, I was driving on the highway and my car um, just, you know, stopped suddenly, you know, on a the, on the large highway. And I think, um, you know, I don't know what they call it, smoke started coming out from the engine, all of those things. And, oh boy, you know, 
I'm still alive today, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, but after that incident, the car and myself, I don't want to drive again. It took me a while. You know, I had to renew my mind. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I can't be scared. You know, you just be having deja vu of that scene in your mind. Like, I don't know if you, don't know, if you know what I'm talking about. You just have deja vu of those things. Like, you just be driving on your own, no? The, 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 the devil will just flash that cross over your mind. Like, what if you just eat this car? I don't know. <laughs> I've gone through that before. Uh, I, I don't know. Let, let me be, let's be sincere in this house. Let me see if you have faced that before. Ah, I, I've, I've gone through that before. It took me a while. It took me a while to renew my mind, to tell myself, oh, nothing's going to go wrong with me. Hallelujah. So you need to like someone, right? You need, because I see that we are in the same, we are in the same boat. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so Paul gave us, let's get back to the word now. So Paul gave us an antidote. And like I said, we cannot deny the fact that we are confronted with the issues of life and we are often tempted to give in to anxiety. Issues as touching money, issues as touching our businesses, issues as touching what we are going through in life, issues as touching, you know, issues as touching several things across all things that goes on with your life, your career. You know, some people don't want to start up again. Some people have failed before and they are, they are scared of giving it a trial. You know, some people, life has eaten them um, front, center, left, eaten them. Eaten, it, life has dealt with them so much and they don't want to go back again. So we are often confronted with situations of life. So what do we do? That's the question. And I told you that anxiety means that we are the ones handling something, our own self. So what do we do? Paul says... The first thing he says in that verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing. He says, be anxious for nothing. And that means, and he told us, but in everything, in prayers and supplication, that means when we are anxious, it's a proof that we have not made our request known to God. That's the truth. Anxiety means you have not made your request known to God. Because Paul was telling us in that text, he said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in prayers and supplication, let your request be made known to God. So, when you pray, it is a proof that you are transferring ownership, ownership of issues, ownership of the challenge, ownership of that situation to God. It's like a transfer. Say, oh Lord, I can't handle this anymore. Now I'm giving it to you. Because what does prayer mean? You know, some people don't even understand what prayer does. Prayer means I can't do it alone. Prayer means I trust in the power of God. Prayer means that it is only the power of God that can handle this challenge. Why do we pray? I pray because I cannot depend on my senses. I pray because I cannot depend on myself to do it. I pray because I cannot depend on myself to fix it. Even as a preacher, why did I pray before I came to this service? I don't want to just preach anything I know. I want to be able to minister to you through God's word. That means I don't depend on myself. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that is what anxiety means. 
So from onwards, it becomes God's business when we pray. It becomes God's ownership. It becomes God's, um, God's challenge to deal with. It becomes God's problem to handle. So making your request known to God is a proof that you trust in God's power. It's a proof that you trust in God's, you know, that you trust in God's, God's, God's um, experience. Let me use that word. That you trust in God's experience. You, tr you don't trust in your flesh. You don't trust in your own senses. You know, I don't know about you, but I'd rather trust God on everything. You know, I'd rather trust God for tomorrow. You know, I'd rather trust God for this tomorrow. I'd rather trust God for next year, next five years, than figuring things out myself. You know, I was telling them when we were praying this evening, and I said that we need to start praying for our next five years because uh, we don't trust in our senses. We don't trust in our calculations. We don't trust in our, you know, we don't trust in, we don't trust in our plans. I'd rather trust in the power of God. Hallelujah. I rather trust in the power of God. You know, but a lot of us, we like to live calculated. We like to live, you know. Or, you know, I was on a flight someday. I was traveling to another country. I can't remember. Maybe France. Or I can't remember the country. But we got on this plane. Okay, this was in 2018. I, I won't forget. I will share too. 2018, I was on the flight from Indiana to Minnesota, I won't forget. And it was so terrible. And you know, the weather, everything was during the winter time. It was so terrible that they told us, I think they told us um, we're gonna have to have uh, maybe an emergency landing somewhere. I was like, oh boy. So everybody was already scared. Everybody was shouting Jesus, you know. Everybody was, uh, yeah, I just told myself, um, when I left my house, I, told myself, I'm going to Minnesota. In fact, I have to be back on Sunday, and I have, I think I was doing a series in church then, and I had a series I was teaching. I think I was teaching something around Holy Ghost meetings. And I already told my guys, guys, we are having Holy Ghost meeting the next Sunday. And me and God have had that agreement. So I just put my earpiece on and slept. I know nothing can happen to me. If I thought anything happens, I will be in service on Sunday. You know, someone say, oh, really? Uh, but that's, that looks weird, you know. That, does, that doesn't sound logical. No, that is because that is what I believe. That is what God has said to me, that you will preach in church on Sunday. He has given me a sermon. So how will I die before the sermon? <laughs> I don't know about you. How am I going to die before the sermon? I remember I, I took a flight someday to a country, and as we were landing, everybody was talking about how we almost died on the flight. I, the man told us, ah, me, I already knew I was gone. I said, not me. <laughs> I said, not me. I didn't know I was, I didn't, all I knew was that I was going back to church. I mean, this was this year. All I knew was that I was coming back to church to preach. I'm not gone anywhere. I think that was earlier this year. I think that was in February. I was traveling to a country and someone was saying, uh, that flight, ah, everybody, when we came there, everybody was like, thank you, Jesus. You know, that flight, everybody's like, thank you, Jesus. We made it safely. Thank you, Jesus. One man just, everybody started talking about death. I said, and I asked them, I said, sass, 
Why are you talking about that? And so they say, ah, were you sleeping during the time the pilot was there? I said, I was not sleeping. I, I just knew I had to preach here, I had to do something here, and I'm coming back and I'm going back to my church. But they said, no, me, before I get on any flight, I call my family and tell them, I might make it, I might not make it. Hey? <laughs> I said, thank you, sir. I don't want to keep this in my ears. I will always make every flight. <laughs> I will always make every flight. I, I enter. Hallelujah. That, that's, that's some people's fear. Some people believe that once they enter the flight like this, Lord Jesus, I commit my hands unto your spirit. Whether forgive me of all my sins, the sins that I know, sins that I don't know, so that whatever will not make me enter this evil from this, from this flight. <laughs> Let's deal with it now. <laughs> I will be scared of scared of things like that. Let me see your hands. Ah, okay, nobody. Cool. Oh, one person. Ah. <laughs> okay. I mean, we, we have we have good people in church, you know. But let's do another one. How if I'm scared that you lose your job? I <laughs> see, 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 see now. <laughs> I remember I was telling them a story. It was you know on Friday. I said, I, I remember there was a job I took and I went to sleep in the restroom. And they just told me I was the best hardworking worker. And I just said, because of that, you know, when they praise your head, they beat. And they just told me I was the best hardworking guy, at least in this night shift. I said, wow, awesome. So I just said, okay, let me go to the restroom and at least rest as a hardworking. And that's how I took a nap, you know, that power nap you take. In the restroom where you are screwing your phone, you just let me just quickly sleep. Lo and behold, brethren, as I don't know who opened the door, you know, it's like you are still dreaming. I just opened the door, and the two managers who told me I was the hardworking worker just told me I'm sorry. <laughs> and you know, when Americans tell you I'm sorry, <laughs> they are really, really sorry. They just escorted me and collected my badge and told me I'm sorry. I said, I said, but. Just a couple of hours ago, you, I, I was the hardworking worker. You can't just temper messy and all. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, when they tell you that, that's all. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Ah, I felt like, my God, I'm never going to trust any man again. <laughs> you know, so be anxious for nothing. Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing. So we said, when we pray, right, prayer means we are making our request known to God. Prayer is a proof that we trust in God's power. Prayer is a proof that we trust in God's experience. Prayer is a proof that we trust that we cannot undo it on our own. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I don't want to handle life on my own. I need Jesus on my boat. I, I, I don't want to do it on my own. I can't do it on my own senses. I can't do it on my own thinking. I need Jesus to guide me in every part, in every way. So, he wrote a letter to the Philippians. Now, why is this letter very important? Why is this? Now, we need to do a context to this background, to the background of this text. Why did he say this to this text? Don't forget, Paul was in prison. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. These are one of the letters he wrote in prison. So he wrote this letter to the Philippians church while he was in prison. And what we expect that a man in prison 
ought to be the one, they should be telling that he should not be anxious, right? I mean, somebody in prison who doesn't know if he's coming out of the prison successfully should be the one, they should be telling, the church should be writing him in prison and telling him, oh, brother Paul, don't be anxious, right? Don't worry, the Lord is going to see you through from this, right? Right, guys? He's in prison. But instead, he's writing a letter to the church and telling them, don't be anxious. I, I thought if he was to, it should be the reverse. The reverse should be the case. Why should somebody in prison be admonishing people who are not in prison that they should not be anxious? Who should be the anxious one? So that, was, that is one of the reasons this verse is very significant because he was writing from prison. He was writing from a place of devastation. He was writing for a place where he doesn't even know his tomorrow. So, but the reverse was the case. So the church became so worried for his safety and he was encouraging them. Look at in Philippians 1, look at in Philippians 1 verse 12. Look at Philippians 1 verse 12. The church were worried for his safety. Look at Philippians 1 verse 12 to 19. The church was worried for his safety. Like, ha, ah, brother Paul, look at what you are going through. What is going on? Look at Philippians 1 verse 12. It says, but I would that ye should stand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out. Rather unto the fordrance of the gospel. Look at how somebody in prison is talking. Look at in verse 13, that my bones in Christ are manifest in all places and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bones, have much bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy, strife, and some even of goodwill. He says, the one preach Christ out of contention, not sincerely, supposing to have affliction to my bone, but the order of love, knowing that I set for defense of the gospel. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, what then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in presence or in truth, Christ may preach, I therefore ye do rejoice, yea, we rejoice. So rejoicing in prison? Look at verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through the prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He was so confident. A man in prison was so confident. He was so confident. Look at what he says. He says he knows this will be in turn be turned to his salvation. That is, he will be delivered from this affliction. He will be delivered from this place. He was so confident that he will be released from prison. He was so confident because the church was praying for him. He had no reason to be anxious. The church was also praying for him, so he had no reason to be anxious. So, one will ask, why was Paul this confident? Now, what can, why, why can someone be, how can you be confident in the place of anxiety? Why was Paul this confident? Why was Paul super confident? Such that he was even writing a letter and telling the church, be anxious for nothing. Why was he this confident? Somebody in prison. Why? Because, why, why was he this confident? Why? Because it seemed as though, this isn't the first time he will find himself in this situation. This is not the first time he's finding himself in this situation. No, he's not. Look at in Acts 16. Look at Acts 16. You're going to love this. Acts 16. Are you learning something this evening? 
Are you following me? All right, look at in R16. Let's see something in R16. At 16, it's going to be a long read, but it's from verse, I will have loved to read from verse 16 to 40, but uh, because of my time, I won't be able to do that. At 16. Look at it. He says, but let me start from verse 25. Or let's start from verse 24. Or let's start from 23. <laughs> it says, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the day Lord to keep them safely. Verse 24. Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stock. Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, right? Look at something. They should be anxious, right? But what did they do? They pray. Now, these are guys who are in the prison. They pray, sang prisons to God, and the prisoner heard them. What happened in verse 26? Let's read it together. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Everyone's bands were loosed. So Paul told them not to be anxious because it has happened before. He has seen himself delivered from that situation before. He has seen himself being in an unpleasant circumstance and God's power intervened. In fact, this isn't the first time he brought the gospel to Philippi and he was in prison. It wasn't the first time according to history. But because he has seen himself delivered from every affliction, every problem, he knew God would do it again. Hallelujah. He knew God would do it again. So that means, if God has done it before, what is stopping him from doing it again? How many of you have seen God's power intervene in situations before? Let me see your hands. It's, it's going to happen everywhere. Everywhere. How many of you have been in a dire problem that seemed like nothing can come through, no solution, and you just saw God's power work? Let me see your hands. I've seen it before. How many of you have been in like a brink of the Red Sea where it seemed like you can't move forward and suddenly there was a way? Let me see your hands if you've been in that. It shows God can do it again. God can do it again. But you know what we do? When we get into the situation, we start getting anxious. We lose our confidence that God's power can do it. I've been delivered from accident before. I do tell you my story. 2009, many years ago, I, I can't really remember what year. I was traveling, then I was still in Nigeria. I was traveling from, from Lagos to Shagamu. And this man prayed from Lagos to Shagamu. And immediately he finished praying, our car capsided. Capsided, turned upside down in a gas station. That's Eastern Day. How we just lifted the car and continued. If, that, if God did it for me, then he can do it again. I've been delivered from accidents before. 
Hallelujah. I remember there was a time, me and the pastor I once served under, we, we, were going, we were coming from somewhere and we were so sleepy. I mean, very sleepy. We were, he was the one driving, I was sleeping, so he was sleeping on the steering. So he just kept swerving, life serving light, and we didn't know, so we already gone on the steering. Cars kept honking and we didn't know. So we were just moving from one place of the highway to another, moving from one place till the police stopped us. It was when, you know, when the blue light rolled at you, <laughs> as you will wake up. There's no way, because that light can give you an headache. <laughs> so that's when we knew, oh, what are we doing? Where are we? And I will never forget that night. The police thought we were drunk. So we said, no, we're not drunk. They said, no. The way you guys, we've been watching you, we said, no, we're not drunk. And interestingly, it was a Friday night. And you know, Friday night in America is, is a dangerous night. It's drunk, <laughs> it's drunk as night. <laughs> oh, you hope you know, police are very active on weekends than normal days. I don't know if you have observed them. You will see more Rochester police parade Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, you'd see, it look like they disappeared. <laughs> so that night, interestingly, was a Friday night. I won't forget it. Some years ago. And the, the police said, oh, we said we are not drunk. We said we are pastors. We are just coming from a meeting. He said, hey, if you can show me your flyers or something to prove that you are a pastor, we will let you go. Ah, that's how we started sassing the car. Lord God. You see, it's good to have flyers of your church in your car. Just, 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 just FYI. I'm not joking. It has saved me for, 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 it has saved me from problems. Just, I'm a Christian. What's the proof? I'm actually going to church now. <laughs> the fear of police is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm very, it's good to have an identity. Uh, that you are a Christian with your car. Just, just, don't, just pray to meet the right police. The one that goes to church, not the one that doesn't care. So that's how we say, what's the proof? So ah, we just, till we found one. Interestingly, the name of the pastor was there. Ah! The man said he will never remove his name from any flyer again. <laughs> so he just said, see, look at my ID, look at it. We have service. I said, all right, you're good to go. How I, you know you can't sleep after that. You know, after, the, after that trauma, you can't, our eyes was clear to we go. I believe that's God's way of taking us safely. <laughs> Hallelujah. So be anxious for nothing. Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing. So why do you think God cannot do it again? That's the question I'm asking you tonight. How many of you have been in a situation where you didn't have money? No money at all. You didn't know how to sort out that issue, that bill, or that, and something came through. Let me see your hand. I've been there before. I've been there before. Why do you think God cannot come through again? If he did it before, he can do it again. Hallelujah. But you know what some of us have? A lot of us have the what if mentality. What if, what if, what if I'm on the streets? What? And you know some of us, we stretch our minds so far. Some of us, we think about even the things that the devil has never thought of. 
we stretch our mind, we just say, what if I'm a beggar? What if things just go, you know, we just, what if, what if I'm just on the street homeless? You know, some of you stretch your mind in things that the devil has never thought about you before. And the, you are giving the devil ideas on what to walk about, walk, walk with. What if, you know, some people have even, some people have so thought so much that they've dreamt and seen themselves in a coffin. How would you dream and see yourself as you, that you are dead? You know, somebody called me one day, many years ago. I think it was my mother and said, I just see your son die. I said, oh, I've died in Christ. I told my mother, don't tell him I'm dead in Christ. When I said, ah, you are not serious. I said, I'm dead in Christ now. He says, who is, who is born again? He's dead. The life that I live, my mother said, ah, it's like you are gone. I said, I'm really gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, so people don't, don't allow negative news and negative dream affect you. Someone say, I dreamt this about you. Say, go back and dream. Go back and dream. What's that? Not here. So we say, I hurt in my dream. It means I fell sick. It means something is going to happen to me. Wake up and drink water. This, the scripture says, the Lord gives people food to eat in their dream. I'm not joking. I will, bring, I will show you the scripture next Sunday. I'm not joking. Yeah. So we say, um, some people have just that negative mentality. The negative thoughts. The what if. Hey, what if something goes bad? What if something goes wrong? What if something goes south? What, why, why, why should that be your thoughts? Why not focus your mind on how God came through? Why not focus your mind on why, how God is about to deliver you? Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Paul knew he was going to come out from that prison. He wasn't done with his assignment then. The same God who has always delivered him will always deliver him. Paul was not anxious. Why? Because he was not forgetful of what God has done. Earlier this year, I taught you counting your blessings. A lot of you have forgotten what God has done. He has seen you through that challenge. He has seen you through that problem. He has seen you through that accident. See, let me tell you something. As far as you are a member of supernatural community, just accident cannot kill you. That's not the agreement I have with God. Death cannot take you untimely. It's not the agreement I have with God. Hallelujah. As far as you listen to my voice every day, it's not possible. It's not possible. Failure does not move around in this church. Ask those who have passed out for years. You can't be associated with me and feel in life. It's not possible. That's not the agreement we have with God. So don't have a what-if mentality. Have an attitude of a winner. Have an attitude of a victorious person. Have an attitude of somebody whose mind is fixed on the power of God. Have an attitude of somebody who always expects a miracle. Nothing. See, let me tell you. As far as we live in this life, challenges will come. Know it. Hallelujah. Challenges will come. Problems will come. Tribulations will come. There will be times it will go rough. It's normal. But let me tell you something. You must have the mindset that that is not going to consume you. Hallelujah. That challenge will not consume you. 
that problem will not consume you because you are going to come out of it victorious. You are going to come out of it untouched. You are going to come out of it without any scar. You are going to come out of it victorious, triumphing over it. Hallelujah. Because why? God is on our side. He has done it before. He is going to do it again. Hallelujah. He has done it before. He is going to do it again. So why are you anxious? Ask your neighbor that question. Why are you anxious? Why, 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 are, you, why are you scared? You say, okay, what if I don't get a job? What if I have a job? What if I have that high paying job? Okay, I've seen so many turn downs. Okay, uh, the, as I do that interview, they just say, you're not qualified. Oh, yeah. But there was a time you had a job and it came true for you. See, let me tell you something. There's something I've been saying to you in church and some of you don't understand. This Bible we read, there are testimonies of men. There are testimonies of how God has worked with men. There's a teaching I hold you, probably I'll teach you in September, on something around your, you know, I had the teaching on hunger, but I want to re redo that teaching in a proper way. And, Many things that we read in scriptures are things to steer us up. Just like when you read Moses, the story of Moses, how that, you know, look at something. Moses took three million people to the red, to, out of Egypt and they got to the wilderness and they got to the, you know, to the Red Sea and what happened? They saw a challenge, they saw a difficulty. You know what others were doing? Others were already murmuring. Moses, why did you take us out of Egypt to come and make us perish here? Why did, and that's what many of us do. But guess what Moses said? He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And men and brethren, a whole sea in their very eyes turned to a dry land. It can happen again. That's, the, that's why it is written. That is why those stories were written. They were written to show you this is what happens for men who believe in God. Look at Elijah. Look at the stories of this man. They were written so that you can see an example. You can see a pattern of how God can come true. So you can say in this kingdom, as a fact that I'm a Christian, there is no impossibility for me. Hallelujah. Look at what Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus said when the angel came to her and said, ah, how can this thing be? Look at what she said. She said the, the Holy Ghost told her, you say, you know, you're going to give birth to a child, this and that. And that. Said, how can this thing be? Knowing that I know no man. <laughs> and the angel told her, said, nothing shall be impossible with God. And the incarnation happened. Hallelujah. It shows to us that in this realm, the fact that we are Christians, nothing is impossible for us. If there's anything I want you to leave this service with, I want you to leave this service with the mindset that no situation is impossible for God. I have no reason to be anxious. I have no reason to be fearful. I have seen God come true. Look at it. They got into the wilderness. 
What did they see? They saw another problem. They couldn't drink water. They were like, Moses, ha, ah, what would you do? Ah, you brought us here to death and, and to perish. But look at what happened. The Lord told Moses to strike his, his, his rod on the, on the rock and water came out. How do you explain that the children of Israel had for 40 years something they did not know? Because manna simply means, what is this? God fed them for 40 years. Men and brethren, do you know what 40 years means? He shows to you, God is interested in your case. God is not interested in you falling sick. God is not interested in you, you know, in you dying. He's not interested in you going through a challenge. He's not interested in you going through any, any, any bad situation. No, he's not. We did a teaching. What does God really want? He wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you materially. He's not interested. If he did it for the children of Israel, why do you think he cannot do it for you? So, you have read stories. Of how God has worked with men. Have I has turned impossible situations to be possible. He turned the water to wine. He made certain situations possible. So why are we anxious? Why as believers have we chosen to be anxious? Why have we chosen to be fearful? Why have we chosen to keep a negative mentality in our heads? Why have we chosen the, the you know, like I said, just not, not quite long. Many of you, you have overstretched your thinking to such a way that even thoughts that the devil hasn't thought about you. You've had those thoughts for yourself. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what, what if I just go on this water and I just collapse? Why, why should they think, him, why, why should a Christian be thinking like that? I remember many, some years ago we went on King, I don't know if I've been to King's Island before, you know, that, that thing. Oh, my God. I, I think we did a trip. Some, of, some, some people are laughing there. And I think somebody said something. Like, he, what if this thing just stopped working? Ah, I said, not when me, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the roller coasters, uh, the everything. Somebody said, what if I just, go hang, I just get hung on, on the air like that? Why would you think like that? Not when me and there. Because the agreement I have is to drive to the King's Island and go back home and continue my life. <laughs> you know, people have so many negative thoughts. So many negative mentality. So you guard against anxiety. To guard against anxiety, we must never forget what God does. How many of you believe God saves? God delivers people from evil. How many of you believe God provides? How many of you believe God meets needs? How many of you believe God heals the sick? How many of you have been healed here before? You've been sick before and you've been healed. So why do you think it can happen again? Why do you think sickness is going to kill you? Why do you think that challenge will kill you? So when to guard against anxiety, you must remember what God does. Hallelujah.
You must remember what God does. Look at Peter. Peter had similar experience in Acts 12. Look at Acts 12. Are you, are you following this this evening? Let me see your hands if you're following me this evening. All right. Acts 12. I believe this is very timely. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if you believe this, what I'm sharing with you tonight is timely. I, I believe this is timely. You need to hear this at this time. I believe it. Look at in Acts 12. We said dealing with anxiety, right? So we said, what? I, I have so many things to share, but I will just give you maybe one or two. You must remember what God does, right? You must remember he has done it before, right? Yes. Right, guys? Yes, he has fed people, right? So you can't go hungry, right? Yes. He will always provide for you, right? You know, there's that song that says, if he provides for the lilies, Jaira is your provider. If he watches over you, he says, if he provides for the lilies, the best of the year, why would you think he will not do it for you? Why would you think, oh, what if I just go broke? Why? Why should you think? What of what if I get rich? But some of us have so many negative, you know, thoughts, so many negative utterances, so many negative mindsets. What if it doesn't work out? <laughs> no, see, you can't be a member of this church and it will and something will not work out. Though. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In supernatural community church, things always work out. Hallelujah. Things always work out for us. Hallelujah. We don't know lack. We don't know fear. We don't know what it means for things not to work out. We have God on our side. You know, that's, that's how a Christian should talk. Hallelujah. When people are passing negative news at your job place, you just say, no, that's not for me. That's not for me. Hallelujah. Look at him. Look at Acts 12. Look at Peter. Look at Peter. Peter was kept in prison. Acts 12, verse 5. Peter was kept in prison. But look at what happened. What was happening? He says, prayer was what? Made without season of the church. Unto God for him. So you see, one of the ways to deal with anxiety is also to pray. We've seen it in all the instances that these guys prayed, right? Right, guys? You pray. You, and we say when you pray, it means you are trusting in God's power, right? You are trusting in God's ability. You are transferring the ownership of the problem, right, to God. That's what you are doing. So he says in verse 6, And when Herod would have brought him for the same night, Peter was sleeping. <laughs> Men and brethren, if you were the one that they told, the doctors told you, go get your house in order, you're dying in the next two days. You would have put it on your Facebook, what's on your mind? <laughs> dying in two days. <laughs> was countdown to death. You would have started telling people, I, I just wanted to tell you before I go. There are just so many things, you know, you, you, you start doing like Jesus. Uh, there's just so many things I could not share with you when I was yet alive. 
You know, Jesus, when Jesus, somebody said, when Jesus was about to leave the earth, that's when he opened the eyes of his disciples. He said, he said and he opened their eyes. Jesus said, all right, just go tell your brother. I said, you know, that money that you gave me in 2002, I stole it. I just wanted to just clear my house in order. You know, you tell your mom, you know, there was a day you were telling, you were asking all the children who did that. We connived. I just want to, on behalf of all our siblings, I wanted to just share with you that I was the chief principalities of the problem. <laughs> you know, you start arranging your house in order. You go tell your professor, you tell yourself, you say, all right, professor, I will not be able to complete this project. It was good while it lasted. You tell your boss, hey, boss, I'm going to miss you in debt. Um, uh, my 501K, my, my uh, uh, you can give my siblings or my sister. You just be looking, you say, pastor, oh, I love you, pastor. Just whatever, just me, all I just want is your, all your money. That's all I want. Just your bank account details, everything. The paycheck of the ones you have worked, you know. Just give me, you know. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, so that's what some people would not do. But Peter was sleeping. I thought, you know, James has been killed. No, 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 because they already told us in verse 1, James has been killed. So he knew Peter should start having an assurance somewhere in his heart, I'm not going to escape this. But look at Peter. He was deep in sleep, such that even when the angel woke him up, he thought it was a vision. He thought he was still dreaming. You know that kind of dream that you wake up, you know, I mean, if you have experienced a dimension of sleep, such that you wake up in the middle of the night, you drink water, you even juice with somebody, and you go back to sleep. Then somebody now tell you, there's, when you now wake up fully, somebody tell you, ah, in the middle of the night, you woke up. You say, no, I did not wake up. So they say, you even talk to me and say, no, I... It was in my dream I did it, not, I was, I don't even know that dimension of sleep. Some of you have experienced, I don't even know that dimension. Ah, you, uh, uh, some of you are pretending. I'm, be sincere, let's be sincere. Yeah, there are some dimensions of sleep like that. You sleep, you stand up, you wake up, you just go. I remember when we were boarding house then, many, many years ago, when we were high school, we just sleep, we just wake up. Actually, 5 a.m., it was morning devotion. I hate that time. You know? They say, wake up, wake up, wake up, morning devotion, wake up, morning. De ha, ha. And there is still going to be another one at eight. So why did we have to wake up five for another devotion? We wake up five for one devotion, another devotion at eight. Why? I just feel like it's punishment. So everybody will go there like this. So this is how everybody will be in the place. So this is how we'll be singing. Keep on wearing. No, no. Um, that's not what we used to sing. There's one song we used to sing. Um, Lord, send another Elijah. So, no, there was a day I sang the song, and I didn't know that I sang it. I didn't know I was actually in that place. Because immediately after the devotion, I went back to sleep. So I now woke up. He, I missed the devotion. I missed the devotion. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, so let me tell you what we did for someone one day. Some of the mischievous things we did. Some of you that don't know Body now, so I, I'm, I'm so sorry. Boarding house is like camping, you know. You know what we call camping? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it means, camping. I don't know how to explain this. You go in this America. Yeah? You know when it says dorms, dormitories, you just have dormitories. So 
you know, like high school, sophomore year, high school year. So it's like you camp together, right? And you are not going home. It's not like you're schooling from home. You are just in the school, eating in the school, doing devotional in the school, waking up. That is what it means. Does it make sense now? Uh, I'm talking to those that don't understand because, you know, we are from, me, I'm from Zion. You are from United States. <laughs> anyway, so now, so there was a day we did something for night, for night prep. So night prep means times that we read. Everybody will read and all of those things. So after night prep, you go for another devotion before you go and sleep. So there was this guy, he was already sleeping from night prep. So we just woke him up, go to devotion. So he just woke, you know, there's, there's just this inward witness that just move within you. you. Just take your Bible and just go. So he slept throughout the devotion. So we make sure everybody has left the hall. So it's like, see, you are sleeping now in service now, everybody has gone. So only you stay, only you stay here in church. So what did we do? So we just gathered around him. Half the light. <laughs> I would just start singing. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> we just started. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You're dying now, now. <laughs> so we're very mischievous, right? We're still very young. So we just. So the guy just go. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> Miss night devotion. Have missed night devotion. We said, yes, you have missed it. So we now told him, oh yeah, go and take your Bible. Go and take your Bible. Go and take your Bible. And it's, don't forget, he's in the hall. So he too went back to the hall, to the class, got a Bible. He didn't find a Bible, but you must have a Bible. So he took another Bible on somebody's table, came back to the... Ah. So when he came back, and he noticed that all of us were just gisting there, we were waiting for him. Ah. He said, why is everybody not here? Why is the class is empty? We said, ah, rapture has happened. <laughs> we missed it. <laughs> I won't forget. I don't want to mention his name because he's going to, he's, if I listen to this, I start laughing. We said, rapture has happened. The guy started leaning down. I was wondering, I kept wondering, this sleep has not left this guy? You know, there's a realm like that where people sleep for... And I said, wake up. I was one that, I was, I was one that actually got irritated. Ah, wake up. Why are you sleeping this much? He said, is this that if we want to say you now, we'll have just sold you. You know? And the guy was gone. That was exactly what happened to Peter. He was gone. So that the angel woke him up. He was still asking, ah, where is this? The angel told him, guard your, carry your bag. Carry, guard your slippers. He just woke him. It was when the angel left him. He just, ah, oh, Really? I've come out from the prison. That was what happened to Peter. He was gone. He totally forgot he was going to be killed. Now, why would Peter behave this way? No, no, why would he behave that way? Because he had had similar experience. He has had similar experience. In Mark 4, look at the similar experience he had in Mark 4. He was, look at somebody who was awaiting persecution, awaiting execution, sorry, the next day and he was sleeping. You know, if it is some of you, you'll be so overworried. Oh boy, you know, let's say your, your boss is already telling you, we have a meeting tomorrow. You know, I mean, if you know, after they've given you two warning, they give you the written warning, they give you the, the email, verbal warning, 
right? There's, I think they give you three warning. The verbal warning, written warning, and the final counseling, you know? There's one they do final counseling, well, how can we help you? So let's say they've given you all the three, and your boss just tells you, hey, just send the email, hey, we're having a meeting tomorrow, can we meet at three? You know, some of you will not sleep. You just be wondering, <laughs> let me start, you just go to on LinkedIn, new jobs. Indeed, you don't go on Indeed, jobs to apply for. <laughs> Look at Peter, at Mark 4. Has you learning something? Mark 4. Mark 4. Verse, let's start from verse uh, 37. Mark 4. In verse 37, it says, There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And it was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on the pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that will perish. Now, this is a wind where that would have taken their lives. And they woke Jesus up and said, Master, carry not. And Jesus, and he says, and he arose and rebuilt and says, Peace be still. And the wind was sea, and there was a grave and there was a great calm. And he said unto you, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another. So you see, they've had an experience with Jesus. And they've seen how Jesus has saved them from a problem. From death. They've seen it. This same Peter was that guy who was who walked on water when Jesus told him to come. And he was sinking. And Jesus reached out to him and saved him. This same Peter, don't forget in Act 4, they've been put in prison. They came out of the prison. The angel of the Lord made them came out of the prison and they came to preach in Act 4. So tell me, why would Peter not sleep? He has seen the evidence of how God's power works. In Act 4, they put them in prison. Why? Because they healed the man at the beautiful gate. And they came out of it such that the people who put them in prison said, the people we put in prison, they are now preaching in the synagogue. The same thing. So Peter would have said, no, if he did it before, he can do it again. So this experience is taught Peter. That God is always on time to deliver. Hallelujah. God is always on time to deliver. Let me tell you something. There is a confidence I have. And I tell God, anytime I enter into a problem, I say, God, you know it's me and you in this. You're going to bring me out. I'm so sure of it. I'm so sure of it. That's why you pray. That's why you pray. Jesus was sleeping when the, when, when the storm was, was raging. He was sleeping in the storm. Because can the storms kill Jesus? No. And he taught the disciples to have confidence in it. That's why Paul, are you starting to see why Paul could tell the Philippians not to be anxious? He knew he was going to come out of that. He even told them, Rejoice. He has seen God bring him out of so many challenges before. God is always on time. Look at the Hebrew children. The one in the book of Daniel. 
They knew God will come out. God will come. God will come true. They knew. Say, look at the fire. They knew. Look at the lion. Daniel in the lion's den. He knew nothing will happen. So those are experiences that shows to us that God is always on time. You know, God is never too late. How many of you know that? How many of you have seen God come right on time before? How many of you have seen it? Ah, it means it can happen again. Jesus can, present, can prevent accident from happening. He can pre prevent different things from happening. So no agitations. So these experiences teaches us to know how to trust God. So you must not be agitated. Stop being fearful. Stop being agitated. God is always on time. Hallelujah. He is always on time. He's going to come true. Hallelujah. He's going to come true. So how do you deal with that anxiety? You remember God always come true. God always make a way when there seems to be no way. When that closed road happens, just know that's when he's going to show up. When they say there is no way... Let me tell you something. I hate, I hate when somebody tells me it's not possible. Ah, nothing is impossible now. One thing I've noticed and observed in this country is that nothing is impossible. I remember there was a time earlier this year I was going to preach. I think it, last year. I was going to preach in one of our churches. Uh, and I was already missing my flight. And they've already closed the door. And the woman, and I got to the place and I said to the woman, I told the woman, I said, I got to travel. I have to live with this flight. If I don't leave this flight, she said, she said, oh my God. She just looked at me and said, it's closed. I mean, this is, she just looked at me and said, I type and said, I've never done this before in my life. I've never done this before in my life. Oh my God, you're making me do what I've never done. I said, just, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Just be fast. I'm going to make this flight. Then she opened the door and she told me quickly running. That's the first time I knew that they can open the door back for you. So nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. God always come true. So you must have, so what is that agitation you are looking for that, that is bothering your mind? What is that thing you are agitated about? That it can't work out? Who says so? Who said it can't work out? Look at God. Look, let's take an example from God. As I begin to close, sin affected the world. And God decided to come down as a man to solve it. And you said it's not possible? I believe that's the greatest miracle. God coming down as a man. He stripped himself of his glory. That is why he told, when he told Mary, he said nothing can be impossible. Hallelujah. That's the, one of the greatest miracles. God became a man. Men touched God. Men saw God. Men hurt with God. God started sleeping like men. Why? Just to take care of our sins. And you say and you're saying something is impossible? You say there's a closed road? You are feeling anxious? You are, you are having anxiety? You're having doubts? You're having worry? Over what? 
You're thinking it can't work out? Even, even if the work of ministry, you're thinking it can't work out? You're thinking it can't go far? No. It has happened before it can happen again. Hallelujah. If it can happen before it can happen again, God can make it work out. He's always working behind the scene just for you. He is never too late. He's always on fire. I'm feeling like a motivational preacher this evening. <laughs> you know, I, I, I teach against them so much that now, I feel, now as I'm teaching, I feel like, oh my God, I'm, just, I'm motivating somebody this evening. <laughs> oh my God. Hallelujah. He's never too late. He's always on time. So God will always keep me safe. Accidents will never end me. I don't know about you. Accident cannot end any supernatural community church member. That's not the agreement that I have with God. Will there be troubles? Will there be turmoils? Oh, yes. But you are going to come out of it untouched. You are going to come out of it safe, sound, and healthy. Sickness cannot kill anyone in this church. It's not possible. It's not possible. Death cannot take anyone untimely in this church. It's not possible. I don't know about you, but that's, that's, that's not the agreement I have. We don't know impossibilities. Nothing, we can't say, we, we can't say nothing. Can, you, can, you can't tell me nothing is not going to work out. It's the lie. It's going to work out. Hallelujah. Things are going to work out for your good. That is, that is why we are Christians. Things have to work out. So instead of being fearful, instead of using your words negatively, instead of thinking, what if, why not get into the speaking train? Why not remind yourself what he has done before and tell yourself it can happen again? Hallelujah. They've been denied you several times on those things. Yeah, you apply again, it's going to happen again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's going to happen again. Why? It has happened before, it can happen again. You can always try again. Even in the work of ministry, you are raising disciples, you are preaching the gospel, people keep rejecting you, people keep going away, and you are feeling anxious. Well, you get up. Hallelujah. You get up on your feet and say, it's going to happen again. You get up on your feet and you say, you're going to see a miracle. Hallelujah. You are going to see a miracle. You are going to see a miracle. So you deal with that anxiety. Death can't take you. Where people are struggling, that's where you are winning. Hallelujah. Where others are struggling, you are winning. Listen to me, Supernatural Community Church, where others are struggling, you are winning. In the name of Jesus, no struggle is beyond God's power. No struggle is beyond God's power. No struggle is beyond God's power. The struggle is over. The limitations are over. Whatever limitations, whatever limits is over. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So you deal with that anxiety. So I remind you just like in Philippians 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Hallelujah. Be anxious over that job. Don't be anxious over that job. Don't be anxious over that employment. Don't be anxious over anything. Don't be anxious over anything. There is a miracle. Play for me, I close. There is a miracle. There is a miracle. There is a miracle. So you no longer need to be agitated. God will always come true. He's going to come true.
going to come true. He's going to keep you safe. In the midst of it all, I've seen the saving power of God. The saving power of God will always walk. The deliverance power of God will always walk. I've got the ministry of angels walking all over me. Look at it, Psalm 91 as we close. Psalm 91. So no anxiety, right? Stop being anxious, right? Stop being fearful, right? Stop being worried. Stop having the negative what if. Have the positive what if. Hallelujah. Look at Psalm 91. Are you enjoying this this evening? Are you blessed? Psalm 91. Hallelujah. Look at what it says. Psalm 91. He says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. He says, And surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. What did He say? He says, He shall cover me with His feathers and under His wings shall thou trust. He says, His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. He says in verse 5, Thou shalt not be afraid of any terror by night, or of the arrows by lewis, or flyers. He says, or of the arrow that flyeth by day. He says, Nor of the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor of the destruction that lewis at noonday. Look at what he says in verse 7. Let's read it together. He says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right side. He says, they shall not come near thee. Look at what he says in verse 8. It says, only with the eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Look at what, let me explain what that means. It means, you can see accident coming that way. It might be an accident the devil has prepared for you. But look at what will happen. You will just drive past it and look at what the enemy has done, wanted to do. That is the meaning. Why? Nothing can touch you. Stop being anxious. You are covered under his wings. You are safe in his hands. Hallelujah. He says, only with your eyes will you see and behold the reward of the wicked. He says, because thou hast made the Lord this, which is the refuge and the high habitation. He says, there shall be no evil. Is that your, is that your confession? Is, is that your confession? Let's read verse 10 together. Is that your confession? He says, there shall what? Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. No, you should put your name to it. There shall be no evil before Ayomide. Neither shall any place come near my dwelling. Hallelujah. For he shall do what? Give his angels charge over thee. I taught you ministry of angels. Speak your hands and listen to it. New Testament ministry of angels. You see their work working for you. He says, there shall be no evil says he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in other ways they shall bear thee up with their hands lest thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone says thou shalt trample upon the iron and the other the long yellow and the dragon thou shalt trample over feet says because he has set his love upon thee because thou shalt deliver him and I set him on high because he has known my name he shall call upon me and what will happen I will answer him and what will happen I will be with him in what is that what happened with Paul? Was he with him with Paul? Did he deliver him, Paul? He says, are we what? Deliver him. Are we honor him with long life? Is that your, is that your confession? So the accident cannot kill you. 
death cannot kill you, right? Sickness cannot kill you, right? Right, guys? Thank you, Lord. Use your hands where you are. Let's be on our feet, everyone. Since with long life, will it satisfy you? So in the midst of evil, you will not be anxious. Lift your voice, say, in the midst of evil, I will not be anxious. God will always keep me safe. You're not sounding like you mean it. You're not sounding like you mean it. So my security is in his hands. I refuse to be anxious. I refuse to be anxious. I refuse to be anxious. Pray in the Holy Ghost this evening. Deal with fear. I refuse to be anxious. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in prayers and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Now deal with it. Pray. Those things that put worries in your heart. Deal with it. Pray. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Be anxious for nothing. 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 